Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Stark Bridge Radio. What's going on, guys? I'm Will Martinez, and of course, my co-host with me this week, of course, as always, Jay Glossy. Jay, what's up, brother? What's going on, bro? Not much, man. I figured we did a little bit of a format change here and uh, make this sound a little bit more professional sounding. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Yeah, a little something. So, uh... So that we got a great topic, and um, we're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch. Pretty fucked up place, huh, Jay? A crazy place. Yes. It's a crazy place, and there's so much around it. Yeah, there's a lot of things around it, a lot of crazy stuff that happens. It's not like just one like kind of thing. It's like a whole bunch of different things, but we'll be getting into all that here in a second. And... Um, course it's that time of the uh, podcast where we uh, talk about you know social media and all that stuff and um, again you can find all our stuff on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Google Play, we're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter so you can catch us on all those fronts all you gotta do is look up Dark Fringe Radio um, way to pay us back on the podcast here to um, you know give us a little bit of a you know a head start uh, with advertisers is you know go on those platforms uh, especially like Google Play and Apple and iTunes, you know, give a five star liking and you know leave a comment. The more you know, more of you guys that can do that, um, that helps the show because it you know bolsters our numbers. Pretty pretty you know simple math there. So anything that you guys can do to do it, please uh, continue to do so. We're growing like on fire on Instagram. Uh, within just a you know week or so, you know we jumped up to 150 followers. So, um, that's, uh, you know, that's pretty damn good, um, for a new platform there. And, uh, we're getting a lot of new listeners from that platform. So, uh, any of you, um, <clears throat> on, uh, that, uh, platform and, you know, catching our show, shoot, shoot us an email, please at the dark at gmail.com. Give us a comment, anything. And that comes, that goes for anybody else as well. Please, you know, go ahead and do that and shoot that over to us. And, you know, we'll read those on, on, uh, on the podcast. So Jay, I, um, I mentioned to you that um, we had a uh, fan send in a um, some fan art uh, for the show, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to shout this guy out. And I showed that uh, that you know over to you. I think it was a few days ago. It was a pretty cool like throwback like Nintendo uh, you know cover uh, that was redone. Did you see that? Yeah, it was very uh, very contra. Yeah, I almost wanted to to type in you know up down up down left right left right A B flex start, but. <laughs> I was trained myself. Yeah, but it's funny how things like that become ingrained into your, you know, your your psyche. You never forget, huh? That's not, you'll be eighty five and you'll still remember that. I guarantee you. You know, last Friday, me, my wife, and my daughter were all having a dinner at Applebee's, and I have a shirt that has the old school Nintendo controller on it. Yeah, and the, our waiter said something about it, and I 
when he came over to take our order, I ordered the left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, so on and so forth. The guy's like, Contra? Like, you got yeah, it. Dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was a great cheat code, huh? That was like probably one of the best oh, cheat the codes best. of all time. Yeah, so, I also like how they used it in Wreck-It Ralph, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool how they implemented that in the movie, yeah. Well, um, you know, big shout-out to M.P. Sullivan from Fresno for submitting that fan art for the show. Um, and he also sent, uh, you know, an email with that. It came in an email format. And he goes, hey, guys, uh, Matt Sullivan from Fresno. Love the podcast and look forward to it every Wednesday. Uh, he's a software developer, and he decided to come up with a little something for the show. He said, hope you guys like it. So, uh, yeah, we love it, man. And um, any more of that stuff that you guys out there that, uh, you know, you care to do and send over to us, uh, we'll use that. And, uh, you know, especially if it's really cool like that. Um, I thought it was a great design. And, um, you know, big shout-out to uh, MP Sullivan from Fresno for, uh, you know, sending that art. So, again, thanks, and uh, big kudos and shout-out to you, buddy. Yeah, big thanks. That was a super awesome. It was a nice surprise. And I find it oddly rewarding. You know, we do this to give us something to kind of ramble off our own thoughts about. So when people are kind of picking up and liking on it and sending us cool stuff like that, uh, it's a major, major boost to us. Uh, makes us want to continue to work hard and get better. So, we can continue to give you the best product possible. Uh, so big ups out there in Fresno. Yeah, man. And it's kind of weird because, you know, like I said, like you said, uh, we, you know, started doing this and, you know, yeah, obviously the, the goal is to get, you know, as many people as, you know, as possible listening, but we actually have kind of you know fans of the show and that's kind of weird. you know, that's, and it's cool. It's, it's, it's a cool weird. We like it. And uh, the more, the merrier. Um, it's just, uh, you know, when you see it, like Jay said, you know, it actually kind of validates the work that you put in. So thank you guys and, you know, continue to do that and continue to, to uh, support the show. So um, tonight I figure we do a little bit of a change of format. Like I was saying earlier, Jay, I figure we could toss around some news that uh, some news articles that I uh, kind of pulled together. I figured we could talk about. Um, and the first one on the list is, um, you know, the 2018 Winter Games is coming up, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, and um, are you like a big fan of that stuff? Um, you got you know you and the family you know follow all that. Uh, we'll follow some of it. Um, you know, I tend to uh, DVR and watch all the wrestling when that one comes on. Yeah, um, I think we're a few we're a few years away from that particular one. I know the skiing is neat, and I actually uh, a friend of my wife and I's friend just made the uh, Olympic speed skate team. So yes, we'll definitely be watching that. Oh, that's cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's I'll be cheering them on as well. Uh, yeah, so that's that's happening, and that's happening, of course, in South Korea, which of course is uh, you know a very uh, you know South Korea is perfectly fine. They have a great economy. Um, if you've known anybody that's actually been there and uh, traveled there, you know they can't say anything but better things about South Korea. Uh, you know, with the environment and and the economy, the way it is, it's just booming. Unfortunately, to the north, just north of there, is a very um, tumultuous government and dictatorship that's happening there. So it kind of, um, you know, it, it kind of casts a, a weird shadow over this whole thing. You know, a lot of people are not trying to think about it, but of course, uh, the North Koreans and uh, they're actually entering some of the games as well. So it's going to be, you know, a quite interesting dynamic of you know how that's all going to pan out. Yeah, uh, you know, you can't go too far these days without Kim Jong-il or Un like, threatening to bomb us, uh, suddenly becoming part of the topic, and especially when you're like right there in their backyard. Um, you know, you have to be concerned. You, you have to want to make sure that everybody's being safe and following precautions. Um, you know, 
it, it can be a scary situation. And I only hope that everybody, that everything goes off smoothly. I, I wish the Olympians all the best from every country. You know, it's a huge honor to get out there and be able to honor and, and show forth for your country, no matter what your country is. So I hope that everybody is safe out there and I hope that everybody has a good time. And I hope that, um, Maybe it, it will actually bring us a step closer to not having uh, issues with that particular portion of the world. I hope so, and I hope that is what you know ends up happening in this whole thing. And like I said, you know, definitely well wishes to the uh, to the athletes that are going over there and uh, you know participating in these, these games, and of course representing you know, our nation, um, you know, USA and. Uh, you know, just be safe and good luck. So, yeah, it's uh, actually one of my favorite ones out of that whole games. You ever seen curling, Jaden? That shit is like addicting. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen it. I don't think I've gotten addicted to it. I may not have fully understood it, though. I, I it's like bowling and sweeping meets the ice capades. Yeah, it's basically like bocce ball. But instead of, you know, a ball falling in a pit, you know, and you're trying to knock all the other balls, it's just basically, you know, little slides that you got to get down there. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. And, and every time it comes on, I just get glued to the TV. I'm like, I'm done. So, yeah, I can't wait for the curling to come by <laughs> for the Olympic Games. So, yeah, look forward to that. And um, another thing I wanted to bring up, Jay, is um, did you see that Elon Musk was selling flamethrowers? I did. I was like, they were like six hundred bucks a pop, right? Yeah. He, he and you know what? He sold out of the son of bitches. He can't. He's he's ran out. He literally sold out of them. Everything that guy touches turns to gold. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you know what? He's smart in the fact of his marketing. When he came out with these things, these flamethrowers, he was like, you know, this is something not to be used for uh, a zombie apocalypse. So why would you say something like that? So you're obviously pandering to the zombie apocalypse people and the maybe the doomsday prepper people, you know, which is that's a, a huge number of, of people. And not only that, people who just like guns in general is just to add another thing to their arsenal. Hey, I'm going to add a flamethrower to everything. Yeah, I think that would be more the the button. Uh, you know, people just feel like I'm going to add a flamethrower because why not? Of course. So uh, I wanted to read this to you. Um the definition of late capitalism, as far as I can tell, is all around us. It's in the trees which produce the fruits that wind up in uh, your monthly issued juicero packs in the water pods, that is, which you pop in different machines on your countertop and even in the music that pauses dramatically as Kendall Jenner solves police brutality with a Pepsi. But if you were hoping to get a taste of it all from a form of a flamethrower sold by a billionaire CEO with ambitions of turning humans into a multi-planetary species. I'm sorry to tell you that you are too late, because Elon Musk Boring Company, which currently closed closely resembles Supreme than it does a transportation infrastructure outfit, sold 20,000 and final branded flamethrowers today. Um, Musk officially put the flamethrowers on sale on Saturday evening for a $500 a pop, and so uh, since then, his company raked in a roughly $10 million estimate in about 100 hours, Jay. Jeez. Yeah, no joke, bro. And uh, buyers will... And overfit. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And buyers will also receive a complimentary boring fire extinguisher, must tweeted late Wednesday evening. So not only are they getting the flamethrower, they're getting the fire extinguisher as well. God, this guy. I tell you, between the Tesla cars, which are 
catch on like wildfire. Uh, sending spaceships out into Mars uh, with with this Falcon Falcon Heavy S, I think he calls it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and you and the plane game, uh, plane floor. I mean, it goes right next to the salt and pepper and paprika, and your plane floor right there. <laughs> yeah, remember when he sent that missile out? I think it was like a month ago, and everybody was freaking out because they thought it was like a, a, a nuke from North Korea. In Arizona. Yeah, yeah, it was in Arizona. Uh, or I think it went from Arizona and it passed over L.A. or some crazy shit like that. But, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then the poor people of Hawaii, what, a few weeks later? Do you remember that? Do you remember what happened with them? Yeah, they got the missile warning, right? Yeah, they got the fake missile warning. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, that's that's got to be nerve-wracking, knowing that that thing went off and, you know, you're thinking you're probably going to be dead within the next mm, 10 minutes. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine, dude. Yeah, well, anyways. Well, yeah, I thought that was an interesting article um, that I wanted to bring up. There was another one that I read on the Vice um, uh, website, and this guy, basically, he's a painter, and uh, he paints the he paints the sex um, acts that he allegedly had with aliens. And um, basically, he said when he was 17... What other kind of sex acts would you paint? <laughs> I don't know, but this is what this guy's claiming, and this is what this guy's doing. So he basically, this guy named David Huggins, he was uh, says that he lost his virginity at seventeen, but it was to an extraterrestrial. So, um, you know, as they say, losing your virginity is supposed to be, you know, very memorable. And um, but I'm sure this guy, he must have had a really memorable first time because he says that the first time he had sex. Uh, was basically out of this world, and because it was with an extraterrestrial. Uh, he says when he was 17, uh, he lost his virginity to a female extraterrestrial, the 74-year-old says in a documentary about him called Love and Saucers. And that's all I can say about it. And um, the coitus in question allegedly went down in 1961 when Huggins was a teenager living in his parents' farm in rural Georgia. Uh, it wasn't the first time uh, extraterrestrials had appeared to him. He had been uh, seeing strange creatures since he was eight. But on this day, as he was walking through the woods near his house, an alien woman appeared and seduced him. I thought, if anything, I'd be losing it in the backseat of a Ford or something like that, he said. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. So uh, basically, according to Huggins, um, these visits from ETs and his sexual relationship with them uh, continued into his adulthood. Um, when he was interviewed uh, for the story, Huggins told that his last encounter with the Crescent, uh, the name for the woman in the woods, was six months ago. He's stating that when he was sitting down in a chair and the woman Crescent uh, was behind me, she put her arms around me and he said, that's about it. I don't know anything else outside of that. Huggins unnervingly, uh, matter of fact, when he talks about these encounters, it sets him apart from most of us that you know expect from truthers and UFO enthusiasts. Um, he's not in it for the notoriety, and he doesn't care if anybody believes him. But when Huggins talks about fathering hundreds of alien babies, and yes, that's another facet of his encounter. He basically sounds about uh, even killed as a farmer explaining, you know, crop rotations. And one of the things that you know drew the filmmaker, you know, Brad Abrams to track um, Huggins down uh, was that, it, which was in New Jersey, by the way which is the story that you heard on the podcast about UFOs and the paranormal. Uh, it was called In the Sea of Outlandish Claims. Uh, there was um, where this guy went on this podcast, and he, he heard this story on the podcast and decided, hey, listen, I want to make a movie out of this. So pretty interesting story, huh, Jay? That's a very interesting story. And I mean, 
listen, all power to the guy. If he believes he had he lost his virginity to uh extraterrestrial and has fathered hundreds of little green babies and that makes him happy. I I actually appreciate the fact that he's not trying to really force it down anybody's throat and only uh, really tell a story to be heard by those who want to hear it. Um, I've asked him out of this world text, but it's not, not with extraterrestrials. But, uh, you know, uh, he paints these paintings and he depicts these aliens and he shows like these aliens, uh, like they're naked women and with these weird eyes, of course, alien eyes. And then there's uh, pictures of some of the aliens like floating around, picking up people and, yeah, pretty weird photos and, um, I'm sorry, paintings that he's put together. Um, so it, it, you kind of have to give him some kind of credibility, just like what you said, Jay, because he's not you know, looking for any notoriety from this or any kind of money. People who tend to do things not for monetary gain automatically get, get an extra notch of uh, respect and trustability because it doesn't look like they're out to get you know, they're not out to do anything. They're not out to try to take advantage of anything. They're not out to be heard in any which way, one way or the other. They're just offering a story for anybody who wants to hear it. Exactly, exactly. So, an interesting story uh, uh, that's uh, pretty weird. So, well, anyways, um, there was an, another article, Jay, that I, I wanted to bring up also from Vice, and I thought it was a great um, piece. Um, UNICEF is asking gamers to mine cryptocurrency for Syrian children. And I thought it sounds like that's fucking smart. You know what I mean? That's genius. So you got these gamers, of course, who... I don't know if you know anything about mining cryptocurrency, Jay, but to do that, you would need a video card. And it's 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 like a piece of hardware that you would need to be able to do something like this. And so, you know, the gamers are the ones that have access to these um, these video cards that they range from, you know, anywhere from 150 bucks to sometimes $1,000 if you're, you know, looking for a really, like, high-end one. But... Um, right. So UNICEF is asking these gamers to mine the cryptocurrency for these Syrian children. And I thought it was great. And um, the Syrian civil war basically has raged for almost seven years and killed tens of millions of people. And survivors of the brutal conflict either stay and uh, become internally displaced or flee and become refugees. And as a basic services uh, breakdown, uh, survivors need support from the international community just to survive. And there was a great video, Jay, that UNICEF put together to uh, you know, talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Give me one second. On the 2nd of February, UNICEF launched Game Changers, another fundraiser for the Syrian Children's Program. After seven years of war and suffering, there are 9 million children on the verge of losing all vital emergency help because of a lack of financial support. Game Changers is a new kind of fundraiser. The idea is to use maximum number of PC graphics cards around the world to generate funds by mining of cryptocurrency. A revolution in itself, because thanks to the work of their graphics cards, donors no longer need to give a single euro to support the action of UNICEF. For this operation, we need all of you gamers, but also the whole esports community. Why? Because your community is activist, supportive, and because only you gamers have the largest number of powerful graphics cards. How to contribute? It's super simple. First, go to changers.io and discover the operation. Then, download the small mining software that will be pre-configured for you. Finally, launch the software to mine whenever you want, either now, here and there, when you're taking a break, when you're sleeping, or just working. This operation will only work if it is followed by the whole community. And this is where you are essential, you, gamers of the world. Join the movement now to help these children find a future. Three clicks to make a donation without giving a single euro on changers.io. So pretty ingenious, huh, Jay? 
No, it sounds really smart. I mean, it it doesn't cost anybody a lot, but there's a lot of gain for those who could use the, the monetary. Now, I don't really understand a whole lot about the whole cryptocurrency and, and, and Bitcoin, but if there's a way for them to take advantage of a community gamer's card that turns into people getting things that they need to survive, uh, I mean, it's a win-win. Whoever came up with that is a genius. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was just a a novel idea. I mean, just something that nobody would normally think about. So a great way to, uh, you know, give back to these people and and hopefully, uh, you know, get them out of a really bad situation that they're in and doesn't cost you anything, especially if you're a gamer. You already have access to all that stuff. Um, So it's just really a matter of just downloading that mining software and um, letting that do the job for you. You really don't have to do anything, Jay. It's actually... It's one of those things you can just set it and just leave, and it does it when it wants. You can schedule it uh, to do it whenever you want. It's just going to cost you energy because your computer is on. That's it. Right. Yeah, so pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, Another uh, story I uh, thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Did you see, Jay, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, this week, uh, a pretty big discovery in Guatemala. There was um, ruins of a massive ancient city uh, that was uh, discovered there. And uh, with the help of lasers and drones, uh, scientists basically found uh, a Mayan civilization that was more advanced and populous than uh, any previously uh, imagined. And uh, a pretty cool, um, you know, find here. And look, we're finding stuff still in 2018. And that's in Guatemala. We're not talking about somewhere. So that was so far. Guatemala is probably, you know, you know, it's not that far, especially from Florida. You know, no, no, hop, skip and jump across Gulf. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, uh, go ahead. I did. I actually did hear about that. I heard that they had uh, highways. They had society already set out where some had uh, bigger, nicer houses. They already they had had uh, certain things set up for infrastructure. They had a lot of stuff that um, the ancient Grecians had had. Um, you know that they're giving cred- all the credit for for helping us with modern society. But it looks like the Mayans were. Right there, if not maybe a little bit ahead of them. Yeah, it, that's what it looks like. And just like what you said, Jay, uh, hidden under you know all that jungle and the canopies of the Mayan uh, Biosphere Reserve, more than 60,000 human-made features, homes, canals, quarries, highways, like you said, uh, and more have been identified in the aerial imagery collected by an international collaboration of researchers headed by the uh, PACUNAM Foundation, a uh, Maya cultural and natural heritage organizations. So yeah, they were able to um, use all this um, technology that we, you know, we have now and it's um, it's a pre-Columbian civilization that's estimated to have peaked about 1200 years ago. The data suggests it may have supported a population of maybe 10 to 15 million over a newly surveilled area of around 800 square miles. So the advanced infrastructure, which included um, agricultural terracing, uh, elevated trade routes and uh, to prevent flooding from rainy seasons. Basically, it has experts rethinking the dimensions and the complexity of the Mayan Empire. And just, you know, these people, like you said, are way, way ahead of their time. Way ahead of their time. Yeah, I mean, we always kind of knew the Mayans were ahead of the curve. This just shows that they're even farther ahead of where we assumed they were. And they were there before we realized they were. Because for the, for the jungle to grow over something so massive and so intricate uh, and keep us from finding it for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, 
that shows that we don't know as much as we know we think we do. We haven't explored as much as we thought we had, and there's more to this than we realize. Uh, I also think it says a lot about planet and Earth's ability to heal and, and cover over uh, areas that previously were developed. Yeah, exactly. So, um, very cool find in uh, Guatemala this week. And, um, you know, they use this new technology called LIDAR, and it's basically like a laser and advanced, you know, detection thing that they can use. It's so advanced that it goes through the canopies of the jungle. So, that's why they were able to find this. So, um, yeah, really cool, really cool stuff that they found there. I had one other thing I wanted to talk about before we jumped in uh, to our Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, Jay, by chance, did you happen to see that the uh, new Deadpool 2 trailer came out? I, uh, you know, I saw it today. I haven't actually had a chance to, to watch it. Well, you may not have a chance to watch it yet, but you're going to definitely listen to it. So we're going to go ahead and jump into that right now because it's so good that I thought everybody should listen. Hold on. I was born into war, bred into it. People think they understand pain, but they have no concept of it. What's the most pain you've ever felt? Maybe the kind that leaves you more machine than man. Wait, no, stop! What in the actual ass? Dale, why, why, why are the visual effects not done? It's a metal arm. It's not like we're trying to remove a mustache. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do it myself. by the way he's using a uh <laughs> it's an action figure toy of cable and he's <laughs> he's playing toys with them in like a fake city it's hilarious hold on pew 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 reach for the sky oh no sheriff deadpool you know you're a lot taller in the shut up you little asshole take this oh regeneration powers activate that's not something you say zip it cable i got the stones to help you no no biting they're done already oh wow that was unrealistically fast okay hit it That's just lazy writing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, can't wait for that. It's May 18th. That one's going to come out, and uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. That the first Deadpool movie is one of my all-time favorites, and uh, and Ryan Reynolds is on the list of people. If I had to choose to be somebody else aside from me, <laughs> I'd want to be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's my got number a, one. He's got a pretty good life, right? Yeah, yeah. The big debate we were having uh, with some friends over at the Super Bowl was who would rather be Justin Timberlake or Ryan Reynolds, and I was like, "Amazing as Justin Timberlake is, and as talented, <laughs> it takes work. 
to be Justin Timberlake. Yes, it does. Ryan Reynolds gets to be Ryan Reynolds because he's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's a lucky guy, lucky guy. So, well, that wraps up for our intro. Um, so we're going to jump into um, the next section of the podcast. So stick around. All right, Jay. So the uh, the crooks of tonight's podcast, Skinwalker Ranch, man, that's something uh, that um, you know I brought up to you that I figured it'd be a good something to uh, delve into. I, when I first heard about this place, I saw it on a uh, on a show on a Sci Fi Channel, and um, it was a lot of different claims that were happening there. What 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 did you um, what did you read up on Skinwalker Ranch on your end there, Jay? Well, the first time I heard the word Skinwalker Ranch, I thought it was like a brothel out in the middle of Utah somewhere. <laughs> um, but the more you get reading into it, there's so many different theories on things it could be. Uh, I read that there it could be a government conspiracy. I've read uh, they believe that there were extraterrestrials there. I've heard that there's all kinds of demonic possessions because it's over some uh, ancient Navajo burial land. But the thing that I, I think I took away the most was just the sheer number of paranormal and or unexplainable activities that happen centered around this one this one place, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. And I also thought it was a little weird that there's a secondary Skinwalker Ranch um, that has had not as much notoriety as many uh, paranormal actions, but has had some questionable things happen. It just that kind of seemed weird to me. Yeah, the one in Connecticut you're, you're mentioning, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and so to compound on what you, you know you were saying there, Jaden, give a little backstory on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch was also known as Sherman Ranch. It's a um, it's a property that's located approximately 480 acres southeast of uh, Ballard, Utah. It's uh, allegedly the site of paranormal, UFO-related activities, and a plethora of others. Um, its uh, name is taken from the Skinwalker of the Navajo legend, like you mentioned, Jay. And uh, the claims about the ranch first appeared in the Salt Lake City, Utah Desert News. Um, then it, in alternative weekly news, Las Vegas Mercury, also a series, uh, they did a piece there on that with uh, the journalist George Knapp. And these early stories, they basically detailed the claims of um, a family that had recently purchased and occupied the property, only to experience an array of inexplicable and frightening events. Um, Colm Keller and co-author George Knapp subsequently authored a book in which they described the ranch as being acquired by the uh, National Institute for Discovery and Science, um, NIDSCI. That's what they, their acronym is. And uh, they were there to study the uh, anecdotal sightings of UFOs, Bigfoot-like creatures, uh, crop circles, glowing orbs, poltergeist activity. So you, you had so many different things happening on this one you know, section of, of land that it, you don't even know what to, like, start, you know. Hey, where do you start? Yeah, you start with a paranormal investigation first, or do you start with a fucking UFO investigation? Or, wait, uh, how about, uh, you know, werewolves and Bigfoot? I mean, how about that? I mean, no, so, not, just, not just werewolves. No, no, no. Bulletproof werewolves. Bulletproof werewolves. Yeah, that was a story that, yeah, I was going to jump into. But, yeah, you, you, you jumped ahead, and, and I'm glad you did. But yeah, you said bulletproof werewolves. There was a situation where 
um, you know, a person was on this ranch and encountered one of these werewolves and literally put, you know, a whole gun's worth of ammo into this thing and it didn't, didn't do anything. It didn't even pierce his body. So, um, yeah, the, the, the legend, the legend goes that, uh, not too long after the family had moved to the ranch, the Sherman family, they, had, they were approached by a huge friend, friendly wolf at the beginning. Uh, but then the wolf attacked the calf, prompting the rancher to strike it with a stick to no avail. Uh, he shot the wolf with a three fifty seven Magnum, which did nothing. Uh, shot it two more times with the Magnum, several times with a hunting rifle. Uh, eventually, the wolf left on its own, and as the hunter, or as the, the rancher had followed the tracks, the wolf eventually disappeared into nothing. Yeah, that's, I mean, what, what do you do? What do you do? At that point, I what, what do you do? I packed my shit and moved. <laughs> well, that's what they eventually did. And, you know, the the ranch located west in the Utah County uh, bordering the Ute Indian Res- Reservation was properly dubbed the UFO Ranch uh, due to its um, crazy 50-year history of odd events said to have taken place there. And Knapp and Keller uh, cite the 1974 book, uh, The U- Utah UFO Display, a scientist report by Frank Salisbury and uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph Jr. Hicks, uh, which they detail an earlier investigation into the alleged UFO sightings in that county region um, as partial confirmation of their account. So according to Keller and Knapp, uh, they saw cattle, sightings of unidentified flying objects, uh, cattle mutilations, I was going to say, I'm sorry, um, UFOs, orbs, large animals with piercing red eyes and uh, they said they were not injured or sh- uh, when struck by bullets. That's what you mentioned earlier, Jay. Um, and invisible objects emitting, you know, destructive magnetic fields. Um, so among these um, were in- that were involved in this whole thing was a retired uh, Army Colonel John B. Alexander, who uh, characterized the uh, NITSAI effort to, uh, and it's basically to get hard data using, you know, scientific a- approach to doing all this stuff. And so the investigation admitted to difficulty attaining evidence consistent with scientific publication, which that could be fancy talk for saying, you know, we did our scientists, you know, experience uh, experiments, but, you know, we didn't find anything. But anything else probably could have happened. And just because they couldn't explain it, they would just, you know, write it off. So that's how those things work out. But, yeah, like I said, there was cattle mutilations was a big part of the folklore um, in the surrounding area for decades. And, you know, that just you know adds more to the to the legend, and the mystery of this 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 crazy ranch. Yeah. One of the cows is actually found dead with no. No injuries, no exterior blood, nothing aside from like a a drill bore through its one of its eyes into its head. Uh, but otherwise, the animal itself would have been fine and probably would have survived that. Uh, they also had found multiple cows sliced up with the uh, organs of their bodies picked carefully removed. Um, they found it wasn't it wasn't just cows. There was also that were known to vanish and and reappear as goo. You know, they they had actually once, the Shermans, this is, had found four bulls on a trailer that was too small to hold the bulls. And it took them quite a while to get one bull off. Once let's get the four on and packed so tightly that, uh, you know, they had trouble getting them off. That's crazy. So there, there was that right there. Like, how do you, the animals didn't do that on their own. No, hell no, they didn't. Yeah, and another part was... um Again, like I always said, there's so many different types of activity there. Um, the poltergeist activity there, that was reported by the Sherman family, you know, shortly shortly after their run-in with the bulletproof werewolf that you mentioned earlier, Jay. 
Um, and according to a segment um, on Coast to Coast AM, um, which is a paranormal radio news program, it's been around forever. Um, Art Bell and all those guys, they've been doing the George Nori and all those people. Um, great, great show. Basically, the matriarch of the, the Sherman clan stated that she often came home with groceries. Then she would unpack them and then later discover all the food repacked in the shopping bags. Do you know how pissed off I would be? <laughs> that would be extremely frustrating. It's almost like trying to fold laundry with a toddler in the house. Yeah. As soon as you fold it and turn around, that little SOB has gone and laid and screwed everything up. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, they also reported uh, missing or moved objects in the house, um, such as a hairbrush that was found in the freezer, which had last been seen in the bathroom, of course. And they also heard voices in a language they could not understand. Uh, they spotted shadows in the house. So there's like crazy, you know, poltergeist, you know, activity happening in there um, as well. So that's just only part of it. Another thing is orbs. Orbs is another thing that uh, they see a lot on this property. I'm glad you brought that. I'm oh. glad you brought that up because they actually talked about it Shoot, also Jay. on the Coast to Coast AM show. The father had talked about uh, seeing blue orbs that the dogs would bark at. Uh, eventually, it would duck away, and as the animals would further chase the orbs, once they would get out of sight, the rancher would hear the dogs yelp uh, and then find them in the morning, find the dogs, that is, in the morning, um, in circles of burnt grass with the goo in the mid- middle that is supposedly the, ma- the remains Yorks. Yeah, they basically melted the dogs into some kind of goo. Isn't that crazy? Yep. And and no lie, Peter is now officially anti blue orb. <laughs> anti blue orb. I listen. <laughs> I'm anti blue orb. Anti blue orb. How about that? I don't want to. Be, I don't want to see one of those things. Of course, the Navajo, you know, legend comes into play, and the whole reason why it's called Skinwalker Ranch. You know, you know what Skinwalkers are, right, Jay? Yeah, they're um changeling uh witches uh believed by the Ute tribes to inhabit the land actually around the ranch they are known to take on forms such as owls wolves foxes or even coyotes yeah you got um it. and they, and they, they get to become a skinwalker by murdering family members um and the Ute uh, navajo did not trust the skinwalkers whatsoever no i mean who would anybody i mean that's crazy but yeah, a great part of the whole legend of this whole area. I mean, and they say they see this all the time, you know, different, uh, different, you know, variations of it, of course. And uh, um, another one um, I wanted to kind of bring up was, um, did you hear about the dark one? Did you hear about that one at all, Jay? I I did, and honestly, that for me, that's that's where I I believe a lot of the activity, I believe a lot of the unexplainable come from. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and, and summarize it up? Basically, they say it's a, a Native American spirit that is peering through another dimension and is the one that's causing all this. And I definitely agree with you, Jay. I think he is the one that um, maybe was the one who put the curse on the land uh, or on the people of that land. And um, he's the one that you know basically shows his face every once in a while. There's a uh, website, skinwalkerranch.org, and that documents all the... Uh, the entities encountered and they talk about this dark one and it's an extremely rare encounter. You know, that's something that you're not going to encounter all the time when you go there. Um, but yeah, they basically say it's a, it's a shaman. It's a native American shaman that's trapped in an alternate timeline. And he's able to, uh, you know, peer through the portals of, you know, dimensions and, you know, cause all this ruckus. So 
yeah, that's a pretty unnerving legend, if if you ask me, Jay. Yeah, no, me too. I I believe that uh, it, it the Dark One is definitely a shaman who's in this kind of time loop. You know, like you could you could actually apply the Terminator theory, right? Right. Uh, John Connors is sent back to Sarah Connors from the Terminator, but if John Connors, oh, I'm sorry, if John Connors doesn't send back what ultimately ends up being his dad to save his mom, he's never born and the Terminators never have to find him. So, but you can apply that to this. He could be stuck in some time loop, and every time it comes to an opportunity where he can open the portal, whether it's trying to cause a ruckus or trying to get out or trying just to make us aware and that there is a secondary portal or a time loop the dimension may be from and, and lead to, um, but the way we perceive it is more dangerous and because we we are automatically defensive and scared, as any of us would be. I, I would be shit myself if I'm honest. Yeah, that's shit you don't encounter uh, every day. You know, it, it caused it to take a very negative... Yeah. The show I was uh, talking about, uh, it was actually a show that Joe Rogan did on uh, Sci-Fi, where he says, Joe, I think it was called Joe Rogan Questions Everything, but I wanted to play a, a clip with regards to Skinwalker Ranch, and he He's interviewing this guy by the name of Ryan uh, Skinner, and I guess he uh, he's one of the ranch handlers there and, and has a lot of the accounts of what's happened there. Hold on. Gonna meet up with a guy named Ryan Skinner, and he claims that he knows every inch of Bigelow Ranch, a.k.a. Skinwalker Ranch, and he also says he's seen the UFOs with his own eyes. So um, what are we doing, and what should we expect? We're at Skinwalker Ranch expect anything from Bigfoots to orbs. You've seen Bigfoot? I've had an experience with Bigfoot. And you went to mountains up here, but what was the experience? This thing comes crashing through the woods. It's making monkey noises. Uh, we ended up running away. It made monkey noises? Yeah. Wow. Real like. So Ryan Skinner has seen UFOs and Bigfoot. Maybe he's just the luckiest guy on Earth. What have you experienced out here? The main thing we've experienced is balls of light. One of these orbs actually landed. It became a cloud, a misty cloud, a black cloud, swirled around, coalesced into the shape of a wolf, which is now standing directly in front of us. I kid you not, 100%. I'm getting the skeptic vibe from you. I'm here. I came all the way out to Utah. I want to see some UFOs, so let's move forward. It's going to be a good view. So if you're going to see something... You got a great vantage from where we're at right now. Wow. We can look directly down into the ranch house. So this ranch that we're looking at has armed guards that keep people from getting into it. Three to four armed guards, all of them ex-military. They hold a top secret clearance. Not only that, they got a bunch of pylons and barriers in front of the gate. Cameras, sensors. There's bait pens out there in the fields. What do you mean by bait pens? The big thing that was happening at that time was cattle mutilations. The scientists would actually tie a cattle down and uh, watch the cattle be mutilated right in front of them. And that's why they built all these bait pens out there. Watch the cattle be mutilated by what? By whatever's out here. Now, Bigelow, he's doing his own research for NASA. So it's possible that he's just working on top secret, top secret stuff. stuff. Sounds completely legitimate and reasonable. Like if you were going to have uh, a place where you worked on experimental aircraft, that stuff is very secret. Also, probably worth a lot of money. Yeah. You would want to protect it. 
Hmm. Interesting. Let's go search for UFOs. This is our UFO call. Terminating call. Oh. nowhere looking for aliens this is fun the point of what we're trying to do is disturb whatever is out there if all these stories are true and my experience has always been every time we've got activity it's been on the move and we go to a new location we hit the new location something pops up god there is a kind of creepy vibe about this i thought i heard something hear that i seen something over here oh, i just don't want to scare it away no, what are you seeing? We're with Ryan Skinner, and we're looking for any evidence of UFOs. I thought I heard something. Hear that? It's kind of a glow over there. We've seen things beyond the tree on the ridge line behind us. That's that's the stuff night vision will pick up. I thought I'd seen something over here. Oh, I just don't want to scare it away. Does anybody got the scope on this? Looking through night vision. Into the brush. Look at it. It's creating a weird glow with the laser when I pointed on it. Yeah, it is weird how all those uh, rocks are warm up there. Yeah. It's maybe metal or something, you know? What is that? I don't know, man. I don't see anything. You know what it is? It's the moon reflecting off the stump. Yeah, I didn't see anything. Disappointed. <laughs> so nothing there that they were able to catch on that um, particular outing with uh, Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell was out there as well, but... Um, still a pretty, you know, interesting place, man. And um, w- would that be a place you would go to, Jay? Uh, probably not. No, nah, you, you, you wouldn't? If I'm honest. No? Yeah. Not your cup of tea? I don't want to. I've had enough experiences with stuff that I can't explain to where I don't want to tempt stuff that turns dogs into goop. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. And uh, to put a cap on this whole thing, yeah, um, you mentioned earlier, Jay, about the, the Connecticut um, connection as well. Um, and, you know, of course, most people think when they, they talk about Skinwalker Ranch, you think of Utah. But the one in Connecticut, uh, which is located in Litchfield Hills, um, it, and according to Ghost Hunters Paul and Ben Enno, it, there's so many similarities to the Utah site. Um, they're saying that it's pretty much a smaller version of the uh, of the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Uh, the family that lives in the Skinwalker, Connecticut, basically claims to have seen UFOs, ghosts, um, and Paul basically claimed it to be a genuine crossroads of the multiverse and states that all manner of human and non-human creatures are seen to be sharing the same physical space there. So it, um, it's pretty interesting how now you're starting to see maybe other areas that, uh, you know, have this similar type of uh, phenomena. Yeah, that's it, it's strange that they both have the same name and they both seem to have weird level of paranormal activity and unexplainable events. You know, there's, there's, I, I I can't really wrap my mind around exactly how that could be, but that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, well, that uh, that concludes um, Skinwalker Ranch. I definitely, if you guys wanted to get some more information on Skinwalker Ranch, I I suggest you go to their website, SkinwalkerRanch.org, and that has all their, you know, all the information of all the different sightings, all the entities that they've encountered there, uh, pretty much a full rundown of the things that you could expect to see. Uh, when you go there. So, uh, again, a very interesting area. Um, maybe one day, Jay, maybe me and you get down there one day. Yeah, of course. <laughs> sounds Some like vacation fun. with the kids. Yeah, sounds like fun, right? <laughs> go to Skinwalker Ranch, <laughs> they said. It would be fun, they said. 
I'd say bring your gun, but apparently it would be fucking useless. Uh, apparently, apparently. So, well, Jay, um, that concludes that, and uh, we're going to move on to um, you know the outro, and um, of course, every week uh, we try to give you guys something as uh, a suggestion for you guys to watch and uh, that we've maybe uh, you know seen in the last couple of weeks here that we thought was uh, you know something of noteworthy. So, Jay, what do you have uh, for this week? Uh, what I have for this week is. Uh, we talked about 30 for 30 a few podcasts ago. Uh, we were talking about the one for uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I watched an interesting, it was a three-part one on the Lakers versus the Celtics. And I'm not a big basketball guy. Uh, but the history of what those two teams went through before Bird and Magic. I, watched, I, I found the first episode to be the most revealing and entertaining. Uh, the second and third were great as well. But the first one, I mean, it goes all the way back to the very creation of league and how these two teams were. Uh, to see, they always seem to come up against one another at the most in at the most. They were always rivals times. from the get go. They were always rivals. Yep, from the very beginning, uh, and it's a rivalry that, for the most part, the Celtics have owned. Yeah, except those. So years I thought with... that to be interesting. I suggest I suggest watch it. It's really neat to see what happened with those these two. Uh, world-class cornerstone franchises of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that's a great suggestion. I'm gonna. Uh, I think I may have seen that. I'm not sure because I may have seen a different type of documentary on that subject all along, uh, altogether. But uh, yeah, that's a great pick, man. Um, this week for me, um, I'm suggesting Booze Traveler. I'm not sure if anybody's ever seen this show. It's on the Travel Channel, but it's a great show and it has a, a host Jack Maxwell on there. And uh, this guy basically goes to everywhere on the corner of the earth to basically you know talk about the drinks that they serve uh in that area so whether it be beer rum vodka uh you know he had vodka in, in finland you know he's had rum in cuba you know he's gone all over the place so it's a really cool show because it gives you a lot of uh you know insight into um the local food and the culture uh, of those areas because um, he doesn't just go to you know the big you know mainstream places as well he goes to some really far out places so um i suggest booze traveler on the uh, travel channel so check that out so uh which uh concludes to dick of the week jay we're going to finish this off strong who's your dick of the week my dick of the week would have to be and it's not just one it's a group of specific people it's the philadelphia eagle fans <laughs> in Philadelphia that chose the best way to celebrate their team's very first Super Bowl win was to riot and pillage. I don't understand it, but yeah. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I'm a Niner guy, okay? My Niners have been Super Bowl champions since 81. I was one. Right. I don't remember them ever not being a champion. Right. And a good portion of my life, they were up at the top of the food chain. So, I know... The Eagles fans have waited a long time. I know Norm Van Brocklin was the last time they won really a championship uh, with the end-all, be-all test, and they did it against Lombardi's Packers. They were the only team to beat the Lombardi Packers in that time in the playoffs at all ever. Uh, so, you know, they were waiting a long time for this big win to beat Tom Brady and finally knock him off that pedestal of the goat, as everybody likes to call him. I could see being excited. I could see definitely getting drunk and and partying and and letting loose. I just I don't understand the. We won the Super Bowl. Let's set this shit on fire and flip this car. 
I don't I don't see the correlation. I don't either. I I had this conversation with a coworker, actually my boss, and he uh, we we were sitting there talking about it's kind of dumbfounded. Why would you tear down the city that you're celebrating? It makes no sense. You're you're, you're yeah. You're, oddly enough, you're tearing, ironically enough, the city of brotherly love. Yeah, you're tearing down local businesses, which is even worse. Those are the guys that you shouldn't even dare you know touch anything of theirs because. Those guys don't have the money like big corporate, you know, institutions do to, you know, have insurance or, you know, have the money and the backing to just replace whatever was lost, you know, during a fucking riot. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I yep. mean, shame on those people. I, I agree with you, man. You know, I'm I'm all for, you know, a city winning a championship and um, especially if they've never won it before. But, you know, come on. And I knew this was going to happen. I even called it ahead of time. I was like, oh. If Philadelphia wins, watch that city go down in flames because that's what they're going to do. And sure, shit enough, uh, I was hoping I was going to be wrong. See, I, I figured it was going to burn either way. If they had lost, they had burned it because, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, fuck you, the NFL is rigged. We lost, we should have won. Or if they win, woohoo, party, light that shit on fire. Right. So, yeah, uh, great pick for the dick of the week. Uh, my dick of the week is... Um, Rob Porter, um, a lot of may or may not know him, but he is a senior White House official. Uh, basically, he had to resign after his two ex-wives accused him of physical and emotional abuse, one presenting pictures of her with a black eye. So this guy's a real piece of work. Um, he's a uh, part of uh, President Trump's uh, you know, senior White House staff and um, basically a gatekeeper to the Oval Office. Everybody had to pretty much go through this guy. So um, all the aides were generally aware of the accusations um, since late last year and um, all the specifics came out on Tuesday, um, I guess after um, some type of uh, hearing that happened. So yeah, this guy's a real piece of work. He just likes to beat on women. So he is the dick of the week. So that's my pick. So, all right, Jay. Well, I uh, just wanted to uh, remind everybody the social media again, you can find us uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google play, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the place. You can find us all on Dark Fringe Radio on all those fronts. Uh, anything else for you, Jay, tonight? No. Uh, you know, thanks for listening. Again, big thanks to, to uh, Guy in Fresno who sent us that real cool graphic. Send us more. We'll use it more. Uh, any suggestions for topics or anything you want to hear us simply pedantically go back and forth over, please send it to us. Uh, the more input you have, the more the show can be curtailed to your particular likes and dislikes. Awesome. Yep, very good. Listen, guys, um, again, Will Martinez with my uh, my co-host here, Jay Galosi, and uh, hope to see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>